In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness and turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Amen. All right, good morning again. It's good to be here, isn't it? This has been a good week, and the weather is, you know, good occasionally. Right? Oh, it's good to be here. I am so thankful I, each and every Sunday to be able to stand here and just share with you the things that God has put on my heart. It's just a huge blessing for me. It's humbling, really. And so thank you for listening and for uh, caring for us like you do. I'm going to start with a story. The man's name was Buster Douglas. How many of you know who Buster Douglas is? There you go. Buster Douglas, he stood before the heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson. He was about to begin the fight of his entire career. He entered the ring trained and ready, but he was carrying a lot of baggage. You see, just a few weeks prior to this monumental fight, his mother died. He was, she was his biggest supporter, and she passed away due to a long illness. But Buster, man, he fought with everything he had. But during the eighth round, Buster Douglas was knocked to the ground, and the referee counted one, two, three. Buster struggled to get up. Five, six, seven, eight, and on nine, Buster somehow got to his feet, and the bell rang. Ding. Whew. It's close. What happened next stunned the world. Well, at least it stunned me. I don't know about you. I am my own world sometimes, right? What happened next stunned me. And so what happened was he was up, almost out, but he came back and he knocked Mike Tyson to the ground. No one, no one saw that coming. He was an actual Rocky Balboa, this guy, a real one. Buster would go on to tell the world that before she died, his mother told everyone she knew that her son would be winning this fight. So Buster had a choice. He could either let his career die right alongside of his mother or he could choose to live for her. When Buster Douglas entered that ring, he knew exactly why he was fighting. He knew his purpose, and that purpose kept him going whenever it seemed that he should have quit. And for a very few brief moments, 
everything in Buster's life came together. He was bruised and tired, almost out, but in those few moments, he was alive. Gives me chills just thinking about it. There aren't too many moments like this, are there? We might see one of those moments today, right? At 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Who knows? <laughs> that's, that's really why we watch, isn't it? We either watch people to see if people fail miserably or if they'll just pull a rabbit out of their hat. But there aren't those too many moments in our life whenever we're doing um, and living exactly what we're supposed to be doing and living. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 10, he says this. He says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to offer us life. He didn't say, I have come so that they can really live a long time. No, he came to offer us life. And if, if, if that's true, then that, what that means is that the life Jesus came to offer was, was more than survival. It's about something more, something far greater than existence. When God breathed life into Adam, there was a reason. When, whenever God sent life to us in the form of Jesus' son, there was a reason. And the reason was not so that we could live another day or, or exist. It's always been more. I mean, why did God do all of this? Everything around us, why? It says in that scripture we read last week, for God so loved the world that he gave love that's why that's why today we begin a series for this whole month and i i'm titling it living with purpose we hear the word purpose or mission and we a lot of times we think of slogans and and catchphrases and statements mottos whatever but today i want us to think a little differently about this idea of purpose and it's, this is a topic I've been thinking about for a few years. And I didn't really, didn't really resonate with me until I, I, I read an author by the name of Simon Sinek. And uh, he, he wrote a book called Find Your Why. Find Your Why. So today, I want to talk about our why. I know we don't typically talk about our why. We usually talk about our what. The what is usually associated with the things that we're most concerned with what we're supposed to do or say, uh, what kind of life we're supposed to live, um, you know, what our job is supposed to be, what our beliefs are, what we create, what we produce, what our image is. You know, our what is very important to us. However, if we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, then we may never really find that full life that God came to offer. So said differently, our what is subject to change if our why is not clear. So our church family is moving into 2018, and I think this conversation has probably never been more crucial than it is right now. So as we begin, in the next few minutes, I want us to begin with prayer. I want us to pray, please pray silently with me that God will move in this place and transform us. The least, at the least, that he will plant seeds where the transformation can begin today. Pray, pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and we are thankful, first and foremost, 
Lord, we are thankful that you love. Not that you loved, but that you continue to love. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that you would help us to to ask some serious questions in the next few weeks of ourself. Help us to figure out a few things that will help us to be more committed than ever, that, that will help us to, to be able to survive those moments that are the most difficult. Lord, help us, just help us to see this idea of purpose a little differently today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles, please, to Second Chronicles chapter 24. All right, so the kings of Israel are some very interesting people. I've read through Chronicles and Kings more times than I can care to imagine. I love it. I love those two books. I love them. Four books. It's really two, split in half. I love them. Um, and, you know, the one thing I love is that whenever they describe those kings, it's usually, it says, so-and-so was this many years of age whenever they became king, and they did what was either right in the eyes of the Lord or what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, you know, with me, it was always that word evil that got me curious. You know, what did they do that made them evil? You know, uh, didn't they know what happened to evil kings? You know, I I read a book, uh, a, a little poster a while back, and the tagline was, what if your life was meant to purely serve as a warning to others? You know, and it was a picture of a broken ship, you know, is all. But I look at this one particular passage, and there's one king in here that I think this applies to very specifically. So, Second Chronicles chapter 24. Now, he had come into power, by the way, at a very difficult time. His father was not a very good man, and, uh, and, and so he dies. But, but, but then the king's mother, this, this guy's grandmother, says, oh, well, I'm going to take the power. So she starts killing everybody. Starts killing her grandkids, her kids. I guess that literal, I, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. She took that seriously. Because she started killing everybody. But one priest named Jehoiada, well, I won't go into details, but one priest found this one baby and he hid him and he protected him for several years and then he finally made his move. Him and a lot of the people who were, you know, dedicated to God. This was years later. They made their move. They disposed of the traitors. Grandma was out of the picture and they put Joash on the throne. So as all of these chapters begin, let's read and see what it says. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 24. Joash was seven years old when he became king. How about that, kids? Seven years old. How many of you are seven? Raise your hand. Not were, are, okay? We're, I guess we're all. We were all seven at one point, <laughs> most of us. Okay, so if you look around at some little kids, imagine a little kid becoming king. That's in itself is crazy enough. So it says, He became king and reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. And Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, good. But wait, there's one more little tagline. All the years of Jehoiada the priest. Okay, that's a curious little couple of prepositional phrases, Right? All the years of Jehoiada the priest. Sounds kind of like me when I was a teenager. Scott did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the time his parents were watching. <laughs> Scott did what was right as long as people were looking at him. <laughs> 
I've said too much. Okay. <laughs> you know, in some ways I can relate to this guy. You got to hand it to him. You know, the phrase did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That wasn't easy, especially back then. Because a lot of times whenever you did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, that means you had to undo the evil that had just been done. So let's continue really quick. Sometime later, Joash decided to restore the temple of the Lord. As long as Jehoiada lived, burnt offerings were presented continually in the temple of the Lord. This means that before him, for a long time, nobody was using the temple. In fact, a funny story, this is where they hid him for seven years. I mean, good old grandma never thought to go into the temple. Oh, temple, that's where he is. She didn't even think about going to the temple of God. She didn't even want to be close to it. That's how far she was away from God. So Joash, he brought things back to the way things are supposed to be, and he helped bring the people back to an understanding of who God is and how he was to be worshipped. And Jehoiada, he was the one who helped Joash do this. This was good. Joash's what was good. It was good. It was amazing. And you know what? It was brave. So you got to hand it to him. Being a little kid, being able to do this much and bring the country back to where it's supposed to be, that's great. But, but what happens when we start looking a little deeper at Joash's why? Is his why clear? Let's read a few more verses and see. Skip down to 15. Now Jehoiada was old and full of years, and he, he died at the age of 130. Nice. He was buried with the kings. That's, not a, that's an honor, by the way, uh, for a priest to be buried with the kings. That says they thought highly, very highly of this man. Uh, he was buried with the kings in the city of David because of the good he had done in Israel for God and his temple. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. Now, this is usually the time in the book when I start yelling, No! What are you thinking? You know, it's not really a surprise when you think about it. Joash may not have really known why he was doing all those things. He had a lot of time to think about it. But you know, sometimes when you're in a situation and you just let someone else do their thing, and sure, I'm fine, I can coast without having to make too many decisions on my own. During the time of Jehoiada, Joash never once accepted God as his own. Which means God was not Joash's why. His why was based on fear, the acceptance of others. It was not his love for God. So when Jehoiada died, Joash's why died with him. His purpose wasn't clear. It wasn't strong enough to help him move forward on his own. It, it wasn't strong enough to keep him moving forward towards God, and the people knew it. You know those people that you come into contact with. They may do some good things, but you know they, inside, they have no idea what they're doing. Maybe sometimes that's us, right? But they knew Joash's why. He didn't, he didn't have a clue what it was. I mean, think about it. 
um, Jehoiada died, and it says after the death of Jehoiada, I can imagine it was probably right after the funeral. The body isn't even cold, and these advisors come to Joash and say, hey, Jehoiada was such a good man. Well, I'm so sorry about that. But you know, people are tired, and they're kind of ready to go back to the way things used to be. And if you do that, trust me, they are going to be on your side. Can you just help us out a little bit? I wonder if Joash's why wasn't that he wanted to be liked. He wanted to be seen as a successful king. His why became self-satisfaction, pleasure, acceptance by people rather than God. The problem is that when you have a why like that, a purpose like that, That means that whenever those you are trying to please, when they're evil, when they're not God-fearing people, the actions that you start taking are going to lead you to evil. Joash never really determined his why, so others determined it for him. In the end, it wasn't really strong enough to keep him from following, keep him following God. You know, if you look back, so many people sacrificed for this young boy to continue the line of David. So many people sacrificed so that his reign could be something great. But his lack of purpose, his lack of a clear and definitive why kept him and all of his people from experiencing the life God had meant for them to live. What is the why behind what you do? Now, I know what many of you do. I see successful, successful people. I see passionate people. I see people with dreams and aspirations. You know, I see leaders. I see followers. I see a church family filled with people who sacrifice for one another, who who give, who love, who serve. I see people who are doing some wonderful things. But today I'm going to ask you to think about why you do it. Now when we think of Jesus, we think of someone who was very clear about his purpose. He knew exactly what his purpose was. What moved him. He knew why he lived, why he gave, why he died. He knew his limits. He knew his why. John 5.30, it says this, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. I mean, we know what Jesus did, and we know why he did it. It was to please his Father in heaven. Jesus' why was to please God, and God's why was love. Jesus knew his purpose, and that purpose helped him push through all the way to the end. So the question I have, I've been asking myself this week, The question I have for all of us is what is our why? And why do we do what we do? I'm not talking about professions. Professions change. Passions evolve. I'm talking about your purpose. So let me ask you a few questions. Why do you believe what you believe? This is rhetorical. You don't have to answer. You don't have to shout it out. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you attend church as often as you do? 
Why do you give? Is it fear? Is it keeping up with expectations? Is it, is it to please God? Is it love? I mean, we may be living some good lives and doing some good things, and this is all wonderful, but I'm going to encourage you today to figure out why you're doing it. Because what, what we do will never be as important as why we do it. I found this short video I'm going to show you. It's a, it's a video from um, a, a comedian named Michael Jr. And I just have a little clip, but, but he's talking straight to this idea. So go ahead and play that for me. So you're a musical director. Yes, cool. sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. Amen. We could just stop there, but I'm going to ask you that same question. What is your why? And maybe you're thinking about it, and you really don't like your answer. <laughs> That's okay. God wants to share his why with us. Jesus wants to give us a reason and a purpose for why we do what we do. He can actually change your why right now if you ask him. I think when we think, when we think about why it is we do what we do, especially as a church family. I think what we need to be, we need to come to that realization that 
that there is a bigger and better reason to live and to give. There is clear purpose in that. And what I love is that there are people in this room right now who know their reasons. They know their purpose. And their purpose is love. Their why is you. Their why is the passion for the things of God. It, it is you. You are their why. And I would say when you see those people, let them in. And you might just find a why and a purpose that's worth taking as your own. So as for this church family, I'm almost done. Why are we here? Why do we meet every Sunday? It's not because we have a nice building, and it's not because the preaching's awesome. It's not, it's not, whatever. It's not because the children's ministry is fantastic, which it is, or the youth ministry is awesome. It's, it's not necessarily because of all that, is it? I mean, we know what our what is because God told us. He told us in Scripture. We have this great commission. And then he made that commission clear to the apostles. And he says this in Acts 1.8. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is the mission of what God wants us to be. He wants us to be his witnesses, his ambassadors, people who can speak on his behalf because we know him. He wants us to be his witnesses. This still applies. We know what we were called to do, but I want to encourage us to figure out why we would do this. Why would we do this? So for the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about the purpose of this church family for the coming year. Our elders have been praying through this and talking through this. And we're going to give you some stories over the next three weeks about what we are able to do globally and regionally and locally and in this church family. You're going to hear stories and hopefully those stories will encourage your why. So please be praying for us because we're going to be taking some serious looks this month at why we are here. So I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you this week. There's so many people who don't realize their purpose. We're kind of just floating, hoping to make it to the next day. There are people all around you at work, at school, wherever it is, who need inspiration. They need encouragement. They need to know their purpose. Can you help them? Can you share yours with them? People will see what we do but we, they will be transformed by why we do it. And I'll say this again. What we do will never be as effective as why we do it. Let's stand together. I'm going to encourage you to respond right now. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you need to recommit your way to the Lord. Maybe you just need a prayer to help you find your purpose. That's okay. That's what we're here for. I'm down the front. Our elders are throughout this building. There's even one up there at the top and the balcony how are you going to respond today because this is crucial conversation let's sing together Brian